Welcome back to the Butts in the Seats podcast, where we talk about the bullshit Vince Russo puts on screen and calls it television. I'm Nick, alongside Emily. That's one way to put it, I guess. <laughs> this. <laughs> wow, we have gotten cynical. Yeah, so we realized that um, we haven't watched Nitro or like, anything WCW in like almost a month and I'm like we've had a lot going on a lot going on and I'm like wow it's weird that we didn't make any time for this and we watched this nitro and I went fucking glad (laughs) it wasn't that bad it was like funny bad I thought so it was entertaining (laughs) it came in waves (laughs) but I'm Nick alongside Emily Emily how you doing today you know I'm alive how about that this is episode number 71 Today we'll be talking about the December 13th, 1999 Monday Nitro, the go-home show for Starcade. You know, it's not really a good start to an episode when how Nick sounds at the end of most of our episodes is how he's starting the show. And we are, we are recording this the next day, like in the middle yes. of the day, so. Yes. Like, we watched this last night. Part of it is, I'm just like, I've been, I've been waiting for you to like finish working, so I've just been stewing, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Well, Emily, would it shock you ratings-wise to know that this <laughs> took a tumble? I don't remember how bad the last episode was. Because we watched it a month ago, I don't remember how bad. And what we need to remember with the ratings is it kind of depends on the episode before it. A little bit. But you also they also can tune out in the middle of the show. Yeah, so we should really be looking at the dip of ratings halfway through the show. Because, like, come on, I would have turned this off. Yeah, I don't know how accessible those are. Uh, but the thing is-, is, the way this show started would have hooked me. I would have been in. I would have been so curious how they'd move forward from that, that yeah, I would stay. To a certain degree, but... Um, I'm a masochist. <laughs> this is the second worst rated Nitro in the last three years. Oh, God. That's rough. This did a 2.8 to Raw's 6.1. Woof. What was going on on Raw? Was it just like the aftermath of the Stephanie test wedding? No, it was actually the um, aftermath of Armageddon, where... Uh, Stephanie actually turned on Vince McMahon. Oh. So now she's officially with DX. Yeah. But no, like, you know, nothing too crazy. Just just a better episode. <laughs> just not this garbage. But it was fun garbage. Ugh, we're also recording this a couple days after uh, Elimination Chamber. And we tweeted about our hearts breaking. The problem is I never expected Sami Zayn to win. I knew he wasn't going to win. One of the OSW guys tweeted this perfectly. There was a 99.9% chance that Sami Zayn was going to lose, but that 0.01% made me stay. Because there was a chance. It, there was a point there where I was like, ah, maybe. But So you're no. saying there's a chance. Yeah. I knew it wasn't going to happen. Why did we even try? And it was such a good match, too. Ugh. Ugh, better than anything on this show. Yes. I usually fall asleep in the main event of pay-per-views, like current day pay-per-views. Did not fall asleep during that one. I think you did fall asleep during the Elimination Chamber I match. I did. Though. The Elimination Chamber was really boring. <laughs> the men's Elimination Chamber it was, was really, really boring. Was it? No, you're lying. It's a good Montez Ford showcase. I love Montez Ford. I don't think that was a good Montez Ford showcase. No. <laughs> you fell asleep. What do you know? It was boring. It put me to sleep. Ugh, I think part of it was just like, this is for the United States Championship. And it's like, eh. Who cares? <laughs> the women's at least was interesting because... It was for, like, the women's championship, but... Had a lot of Liv Morgan butt. <laughs> Did have a lot of Liv Morgan butt. But it had Crazy Clown Asuka, and I love Crazy Clown Asuka. By the way, I was correct. The uh, horny wrestling internet was all over that. I... Obviously. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. 
The internet is not short on horny wrestling fans. What? So uh, this is when we're going to announce that Emily is going to start selling feet pics. <laughs> I'll pay for our honeymoon. You want to get into this? Or, no, uh, I don't want to get into this. Why do you think I'm stalling? I know. I, barely, I don't really have any notes from like, you know, the general world of wrestling. No. Uh, Tori Wilson signed a two-year contract. Why? <laughs> yeah, there's not a, not a lot to note. <sighs> But let's get into this, I guess. We are in New Orleans, Louisiana. Nolans. La c'est le bon temps roulé. All right. Let the good times roll. I said that better than Lash LaRue did. We'll get to him. The man from Alabama. Well, we started this episode of Nitro backstage with Jeff Jarrett and Chris Benoit just having a brawl. I could not figure out who that man was to save my life. Yeah. He, I his, thought it was Sid. His hair is very well. He isn't that wasn't that big, but his hair was very floofy. It looked it looked curly. That was what was throwing me off. This brawl ends with Chris Benoit throwing Jeff Jarrett into into a pile of boxes. Why is there always a stack of empty cardboard boxes backstage? I don't know. Always, and someone always gets thrown into them. Why did that cardboard box fort exist when the hurricane flew through it? Why was that there? I don't know. <laughs> We go from that to the Nitro opening, get the opening pyro. Tony and Bobby check in. I, I really tuned them out a lot this week. Me too. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but... Except for that one beautiful line from Bobby that we'll get to later. They had a couple, but I, like, I largely have no notes. On... Yeah, they didn't really say much. They didn't really cut note. to them a bunch either. No, like once at the beginning, and that was kind of it. But they check in as we get in the entrance of the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea, or as we coined last time. Taff Cappy. Taff Cappy. No, that makes him sound more exotic. I like the artist formerly known as Prince. Well. I can't. He also has Paisley with him, who I guess is one of the Nitro girls. I don't even know. Is that a Nitro girl or is that just a new woman? Because the other other girl that comes out, that's not a Nitro girl. No, but she wasn't doing it with. That's Ryan Shamrock. But this is a real sexual gimmick for Prince Iakea. Yeah, and you were convinced his facial hair was drawn on. I am like, I, I did not go back and look, but the way that it was presented it looked like um someone had eyeshadowed in his beard it didn't look like a real beard it didn't look like he had hair it just looked like chalk so after that we get the entrance for the maestro and i'm like are you in this match because we just cut to him like seemingly somewhere and then we see the platform is being lowered and i'm like a did not connect to b for either of us at first because well, we saw him what looked like backstage on the piano, and then we saw a platform lowering in the ring, and it didn't look like the platform was where he was backstage. So we're just like, what the fuck is happening? And then we like, you know, put two and two together. The real question is, how does this relate to Sid? It doesn't. <laughs> I, I concede, okay? I did write already. I'm like, this show is cursed. Oh, I loved this. I thought this was the most just, incredible start to an ITRA that we've had in a long while. Yeah. I loved this. And I, I did feel dumb in hindsight for not predicting the end of this segment. But, the wrestling um, was garbage, but the entrances. Yeah. Incredible. And you you were laughing your ass off at Symphony tries to hold the maestro's <laughs> hand slash arm, but the maestro's doing his entrance and like doing a fake conducting thing. So his arms are moving and Symphony's just like... She's, like, desperately trying to grab his elbow to, like, escort him. He doesn't even acknowledge her. He doesn't even look her direction. I'm like, this poor girl. This is so sad. I felt really bad for Paisley. <laughs> or not Paisley, Symphony. Paisley, too. And, and if this show wasn't cursed enough, we the first part of this match is just miscommunication. So <laughs> the show opens, I'm like, great. We do get, a, like, a random double-A spine buster from the maestro. And I'm like, okay. 
I did not pay any attention to the wrestling. I was only focused on the gimmicks. And the gimmicks were 10 out of 10. Well, in a move I thought would have taken longer. Because, like, my brain is kind of aware of the artist formerly known as Prince. Ikea. Thank you. Tony immediately is like, that's too fucking long. We're just going to call him the artist. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. He wastes no time giving up that. They still call him the fucking total package. Well, but they won't call him the artist formerly known as Prince Ikea. That's a lot. I love it. In their defense. In my brain, I'm like, okay, he just becomes the artist at some point because it's too long. But it's like, oh, no, they just, the first night. No, they or, just give I guess up. technically the, the, the second night because we saw like a little vignette last Did week. Did we? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember last week's episode like at all, which is really sad because we watched it. We talked about it. I have four hours of that episode in my brain. Five hours of that episode in my brain. And it's gone. The artist headbutts Maestro in the dick. Guess it's fine. Both women slap each other's man. Oh my god. The artist rolls up the maestro and grabs the tights for the win. These women do not know how to be ring escorts, be actresses, be wrestlers. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. I do want to note that um, when the artist got slapped, he did not have to, at least not hear him say, now slap me. (laughs) So Ryan Shamrock is improving. Is this before or after that? This is after that. This is after that? Oh god. Yeah. She already had her. Now slap me. <laughs> Congratulations. You're moving up in the world, girl. Or is it just God, now? When was that? That would have been WWF in, uh, actually, probably earlier this year. It would have been like WrestleMania. Wow. We might have actually seen it. I'm not like forgetting. I don't remember. I thought that was like way after. I thought that was like in the 2000s. No, because Ken Shamrock's gone from WWF at this point. Oh, shit. My timeline is all fucked. Yeah. So, in a ending that I really should have seen coming, because this was all about music. We get Jeff Jarrett coming out to the ring with two guitars. And I don't know whether I was happy to see Jeff Jarrett or not. I was not. So he hits both men with the, with a guitar each, because, you know, music. And then calls out Chris Benhaw for a bunkhouse brawl later in the night. Because it has to be all about Jeff Jarrett. Yes. I hate that. I hate that ending. I hate that. Let a fucking match end. And you it's a match all about music? I have never seen Jeff Jarrett play the guitar once. Do you know the actual story of his and Road Dog's gimmick in WWF? Mm, elaborate. So, the Road Dog, the name comes from he was the roadie. He was Jeff Jarrett's roadie. Oh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In kayfabe. And I don't think they ever actually did it. Or they, if they did it, they did it really half-assed because Jarrett was already gone. They were going to do a story where Jarrett couldn't actually sing, and it was Road Dog oh, doing cute. the one who did who, like, who did the song, and Jarrett was just going out just like lip syncing. I like that. That's cute. Going full Ashley Simpson. <laughs> so anyway, Jarrett challenges Benoit to a bunkhouse brawl, which within forty seconds we have a graphic for. So I guess that match is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like it did seem like a hey, you should accept this challenge. But then no, they have really like, good no. graphic designers. <laughs> They're on their shit. So, yeah, they're actually like doing these graphics of listing out matches. Uh, the Thunder after this also had uh, these similar graphics. So, just yeah. like someone found Microsoft Movie Maker. <laughs> Sorry, Windows Movie Maker. Windows Movie Maker, please. So, we have a couple matches advertised for tonight. It is going to be Tank Abbott versus Meng. Remember Tank Abbott? I, I remembered his name, but I did not remember what that man looked like. Yeah. I don't remember why he left either. He, he just left. Oh, cool. Like, last we saw him, he was, like, refing for a Rick Steiner match. It might have been, like, he was, like, Rick versus Sting. Oh, shit. No, that wasn't the dog. No, no. <laughs> it wasn't the dog match. We're also going to get Sid Vicious versus Dr. Death Steve Williams. 
a weird tag team match of Sting and DDP versus David Flair and the Total Package. And then commentary is like, also here tonight, the World Tag Team Champions will be facing each other at, at Starcade this Sunday in a no-holds-barred match for the title. That's right, Goldberg and Bret Hart are here. I'm like, what? Pardon? I beg your fucking pardon? So yeah, we have new tag team champions. Turns out a lot happened on Thunder. Yeah, and it didn't help that we hadn't watched anything in a month. Because I was like, who the fuck did they win when for? When did like, we lose that? <laughs> they, beat it, they beat creative control for it. I, oh god, were they the tag champions? Because they also like randomly won it in passing from oh like the god. Filthy Animals or something. I was like, what? Wow. Yeah, I know Filthy Animals. That's two wrestling shows we've watched in the last week that did not have Rey Mysterio on them. Disappointing. <laughs> Sorry, Ray. Ray was he was an advertiser for the Nation Chamber. No, but his son was, and his son's being a little prick. So I want him to come out and put his. I want him to come out and ground his son. By the way, again, Ray Mysterio is injured in 1999. He can still walk. He can't. That's the he whole ha- thing. they have crutches. Wheel him down. So then we go backstage. Evan courageous sneakily f- flirts with Spice. Medusa catches him and then just wants to fight everybody. Can we really blame? Evan for flirting with Spice, though? No. Not at all. I'd flirt with Spice. She's adorable. I'd flirt with Spice. Again, she's a chiropractor. She can fix us. She can fix you. (laughs) Nothing can fix me. I am just a brick. Nothing pops. Nothing stretches. Then we got Bret Hart coming out to the ring with two titles. Bret says it's not easy when you claim to be the best. Like, basically, you need to, like, kind of keep up appearances kind of thing. It just came off so smarky of, like... I'm just, it's just not easy being as good as I am. I'm just so good. It's so hard, guys. I'm too good. And Shut up. In, and in this week's, lol, no, says he has infinite respect for Bill Goldberg. Yeah, what? <laughs> he says he's looking forward to Starcade and says Goldberg won't, won't beat him and he guarantees it. Won't allow it. Goldberg makes his entrance, says that at Starcade, Brett has to beat him man to man and that isn't going to happen. Also, that Brett is next. You're next. And then we get the Wolfpack theme hitting. Because why wouldn't we? As soon as the music went off, I was like, oh, they're definitely going to challenge for the tag champions. Like, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yep. They come out. Ch- right. Challenge two for tag team title match. Brett accepts. Um, during this, <laughs> Nash is like, we're going to come down there. And Hall's like, down where? And it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It hasn't ever worked because we've seen this gimmick thing happen or this like one liner a couple of times now, and it hasn't worked. Has it ever? I don't think so. Are we holding on to former glory or something? I'm trying to make downware happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Additionally, because they're like, you know, talking about fighting each other, Nash is like, if you two want to like kiss and make up, come on, kiss. <laughs> Fucking gay or what? Come on, hug, hug a little. <laughs> okay, I know I know what fan fiction Kevin Nash is writing. Yeah, really? So, yeah, we got that match. That'll be our main event tonight. We go backstage, Mean Gene is interviewing Medusa's boobs, and Medusa decides she's going to wrestle Spice tonight. Shocker! I'm sure that'll be a great match. Roddy Piper is here. Someone is with he him. He was just yelling. Why? Well, somebody like, exited the car with him. I yeah. have no idea who it was. But and he, it he was never also like, again. But that guy also was very clearly being um, kind of blocked out of the camera shot, because he was like standing right behind Roddy Piper the whole time. Like You couldn't get a clear shot of his face, except for like one or two times. So I don't think he was supposed to be on camera. But yeah, he was just yelling. I have no idea what Roddy Piper was saying. Yeah, he's he's a bit rowdy. <laughs> what? Elsewhere backstage, Lex Luger is told about his match and is like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm. A team with David goddamn Flair? And I'm like, I get that. I, yeah, I actually do have some sympathy for you there. 
Speaking of David Flair, he gets a package delivered and screams at the guy and is generally having a nervous breakdown. I still think that David is incredible at being psychotic. It needs to go somewhere now. We've done too much with this. It needs to move forward. I mean, I feel like because we, we've seen Daphne, I'm just kind of sure. waiting for her to turn up. This would have been the week for Daphne to show up, and she didn't. Spoilers. There just needs to be something else Maybe the coming. pay-per-view, maybe the Nitro after, I don't know. I don't know. We're just doing too much with the David Psycho Flair. So let's go to our second match of the evening. It's going to be Medusa versus Spice. Medusa comes out in this white and blue outfit with a fuck ton of feathers. <laughs> and Emily wanted to ask me... Who's that Pokemon? Because I initiated the challenge, you have to go first. Well, you literally had one right in, right yeah. in your mind. Um, yeah, there's a lot of bird vibes going on in this. So I went Cramorant, which is a Gen 8 Pokemon. <laughs> That's... Is that the that's is that the seagull one that like eats things? Yes, it has the Gulp <laughs> missile uh, ability, and it will shoot stupid. Pikachu at you when it gets hit. I think the colors are right. I think the vibe is off. It's a bird. N- no, she I, is I, sweet D. <laughs> the colors are right. The vibe is off. Um, I have a combination of two Pokemon, but they are in the same evolution, so it counts. Are you going to do Froakie and no, uh, no, no? She is Quaxly. With Quay Quay Vol's energy. And I'm standing by that firmly. I want her to be Quay Quay Vol, but I forgot that like the colors changed when he evolved. She's Quaxly with those colors, but she is moving like Quay Quay Vol. This might be a record for uh, the first time that you have picked a Pokemon in a generation later than me. <laughs> well, it's only because we're, you're still playing the game that Quay Quay Vol's in. I feel like I'm saying his name wrong too, but... It's Quack Quavel? Quack Quavel? Like Quack Quack? Quack Quavel. So is, is is Spice the middle evolution? <laughs> no. Oh, I got it for Spice. She is Scovillain because Scovillain. it is a spicy pepper and she is Spice. Smart. Again, colors are wrong. The vibe is right. She's, she's a tamale. A hot tamale. And speaking of Spice, she has a theme song. Like She actually she fucking does. gets a song. She got music before Bam Bam did. No, he's gotten it before. She has wrestled significantly fewer matches than yes. he got. And she he got has... it in less matches. Yeah. So yeah, we have Medusa versus Spice. Uh, would you believe it? Medusa dominates until uh, Evan Courageous comes out. Medusa then holds Spice and tells Evan Courageous to hit her. And I'm like, Jesus. So then she... Hit he, her, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> she calls him a pussy at one point, too. She might, yeah. So he doesn't do it. She throws Spice to the side. And then she kind of like corners Evan Courageous and is yelling at him. Spice runs and hits like a running elbow forearm, a general running attack. Running flop at them. Hits Medusa from behind who crashes into Evan Courageous. Medusa's like in, just like wrapped up in the ropes. The in referee the turns too. to Spice and goes, pin her. <laughs> Spice does. And again, Medusa's still in the ropes. Just one, two, three. That's it. Pins. The end. What the fuck? <laughs> Post-match, Evan Courageous like weirdly feels up Medusa and then she hits a German suplex. I don't know why she did that suplex. I, the only reasoning I think of is because she can. Yeah, I it was know. it was it was basically she doesn't have a good move to do to him from the front, so yeah. she did a German suplex. I it was basically her, I guess, breaking up with him. But she was feeling him up. No, he was feeling her up. She was also feeling him up. It know. was mutual. I don't know distraction. Maybe this was shit. It this, was, but again, it fun was shit. actually worse than I thought it would be. Fun shit though. Was it? I love this shit. This episode is what I love. <laughs> Garbage. We go to the room, so creative control, Hennig, Shane, and our boy are hanging out. 
<laughs> the love of my life, the chairman. Rhonda Singh comes in and Russo says Ugh. that she's she's below him. He'll, he'll only talk to her agent. And then uh, he tells Shane to go get Roddy Piper. Ugh, they for- really do Rhonda Singh so dirty. If you've forgotten, Shane is Vincent. <sighs> then get a Shane, revo- Vincent, Bill, Virgil. Yeah. Then get a revolution recap package. And we get a Mean Gene interview with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. At the pay-per-view, apparently it's going to be Hacksaw and three mystery partners versus the Revolution. If Duggan wins, the Revolution become janitors for like a month or something. And uh, if Duggan loses, Duggan is required to denounce the United States of America. Which just, and I'm like, he just oh, can't yeah. have. He's still a janitor. It's still actually a thing that's going on. Yeah, they didn't do anything janitor related in this episode. I mean, he's still in like the he's in the, he's in the look. Yeah. yeah, this just got real American real fast. Yeah, which yeah, I I did laugh at um, Gene asked about the revolution. He's like, yeah, I'm not really that worried. I'm yeah. like, oh wow, way to put over the match. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the vote of confidence. He's like, bud. I'm not worried about that. But what I am worried about is this lack of respect for this country. Yeah. And rah rah America, America gets fired up about his cancer and the Let troops. Freedom rang and. Um, I, I decided against it, but I really wanted to splice in It's Always Sunny's. I don't give a shit about the truth. America. Then the lighting starts to strobe, and then... This was weird. Jim Duggan's knocked out. Did we ever get closure on this? Yes and no. Who hit him? We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but... We didn't really get closure on this. Yeah, so we have a match for Starcade, but um, America, yay. No. Barely even foreigners. It's just like, it's our own country. What, the revolution? Yeah. No. Half of them are American. Like all of them are. Where's Perry Saturn from? I, think he's I from... thought Perry or Dean, one of them was Canadian. Both... I think Perry's from like Texas. Oh, wait, no, he's from Saturn. Duh. Shut the fuck up. So he's not American, you dumbass. From America Saturn. We haven't colonized Saturn yet. <laughs> you don't know that. Give it a year. He's from Ohio. So yeah, we we go from that to the room so where Russo's like, I'm so glad I have my remote control that like takes people out. Oh, I didn't catch that line of dialogue. Yeah, or he said something about like it did the lights, but I don't know who attacked him. I never caught that dialogue. Yeah, it was it was in passing. It was just like, oh, there's there's no intrigue. Okay. I mean I kind of assumed it was revolution. <laughs> I yeah. But I I just in sitting here realized we never got like full closure. But I guess we did. I don't know. Piper comes in, he's fired up. He'll be roughing Buff versus Hennig later tonight and is told it's in his best interest to do the right thing. And, like, as as Russo says it, Hennig, like, mouths along with it. Like, yeah, do the right thing. Buff heads towards the ring and is psyching himself up. He's like, I need my glasses. I need my hat. And he's being so wholesome and fun here. And Nick's just like, I fucking hate this guy. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> like, why? What did he do in this scene? Lex is looking for David and is getting annoyed that he can't find him. Then we go to Kurt Hennig versus Buff Bagwell with the special guest referee, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Tony Schiavone on commentary notes that the referees walked out last week, and I'm like, oh, yeah, so much for that. Yep. Well, anyway. Piper decides that the match is now no DQ. However, he is going to enforce it like there is a DQ. That doesn't make any sense. Buff mugs for the camera, then does his strut twice early on. Buff hits a scoop slam, but only gets a two. Then we get Buzzkill coming out with a sign that says, Save the Baby Seals. <laughs> Which, Bobby Heaton has a line. He's like, you're telling me children are serving in the military? There are children in the Navy? I just realized nothing happens with Buzzkill. I know. I noticed that like at the end of the episode. I'm like, Buzzkill just kind of was there, but like not even really. 
The two brawl as Piper gets on Hennig's case. We get a neck snap from Hennig, and he goes for the pin, but Piper counts at a snail's pace. And there's a spot where Hennig is, like, punching Buff in the ropes, and Piper goes to, like, you know, separate the two. And I don't know whether he aggravates it or injures it here, but by the end of the show, Roddy Piper is confirmed to have a torn bicep. And it really looks like here he goes like lift his arm and he's like, oh, fuck. We even like went back and looked and I we thought we saw where he might have done it, but it didn't look like that bad. Yeah, I, I, I think it was just a fluke movement. I don't know. But it, maybe he just like flailed a little too hard and pulled it. I It didn't look like he got hit or anything. Yeah, I, it, just, it was weird. But he's definitely like the one arm is definitely hanging oh, down. Yeah, it's very obvious. And it was like, already like in a sleeve. That's why I'm thinking maybe he like aggravated it. Maybe. Maybe he like started it. Yeah. Buff starts a comeback, including a swinging neckbreaker, but Hennig gets his knees up on a splash. Hennig gets in Piper's face, so Piper punches Hennig, and then does a fast count for Buff, and Buff gets the win. I don't know why that always looks so rough when someone gets their knees up in a splash. Like, that hurts me to watch. It seems like it's a jumping so splash, not a diving splash. Yeah. But it just it's such a simple move, but it's like, ugh, ow. <laughs> knees in my ribs. Creative Control come out at the ramp and just look it's, generally displeased. They don't really do they're anything. They're just staring menacingly. Yep. This wasn't enough of a match to comment on the quality. No. It was fine. It happened. We go backstage. Lex finds David's locker room and he hears him talking about something, but I couldn't hear a word of this. I think it was no. just him being crazy to himself. But then Lex Luger was saying something. I think Lex's other thing was just like, oh, this fucking kid. Huh? I don't know. But yeah, audio was awful. Yes. We then get Jeff Jarrett heading towards the ring with a trash bin full of weapons, which we never see again. You are correct. Benoit has a ladder with him and, and and is in jeans. So they both come down with their weapons of choice. We do see the ladder again, at least. Yes. So our next match is Jeff Jarrett versus Chris Benoit in a bunkhouse brawl. Jarrett comes out with a guitar, which is pretty standard, but he also has a bar stool, which can't fit between the ropes, <laughs> and a rope with like a cowbell on the end. I need more cowbell. Jarrett hits Benoit with a stool mid-entrance, and then the two brawl near the stage. Jarrett chokes Benoit with the rope and goes to hit him with the cowbell. Benoit ducks it and then chokes Jeff Jarrett with the rope a few times. And we just it made it's us an injury that's really lovely. In the ring, Benoit hits a backbreaker and they try some sloppiness with the rope. It's some weird miscommunication. Just like, now you, no, now you. Benoit goes for the ladder, but Jarrett baseball slides it into him. Benoit gets thrown into the ladder, but counters a second attempt. And then Jarrett is thrown into it a second time. Benoit sets the ladder up, but Jarrett trips him. They brawl on the ladder a bit, and there's a spot where Jared's about to throw Benoit off the ladder using mm. the rope, but the rope is out of position, so like Benoit has to like wrap it around himself to do this spot properly. And the audience caught that, because yeah. the audience turned on this match after that. It went from cheers to boos as soon as because it was obvious you could see Benoit's arm like adjusting the rope. It was not clever. So Benoit gets thrown off. Dustin Rhodes runs in, hits shake, rattle, dick, grab, and roll. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, he really was going at it. Oh, my God. He goes for shattered dreams, but for some reason, Charles Robinson is like, no. I know this is a bunkhouse brawl, but you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, this is a whole thing is no DQ, and Charles Robinson's like, no, I'm involved now. So Dustin sets Charles Robinson up for shattered dreams, and then there's a weird spot, we had to watch this twice, where... Jared hits Dustin with the guitar, but in the middle of the swing, Dustin turns and goes to kick Jared in the balls, and they simultaneously connect. Cause, it was good. Yeah, because Jared hits the guitar shot, and then he goes down, and we're like, what the fuck happened? 
And it had to be the replay that showed us, like, what happened. Then we get Benoit climbing the ladder, which oh. is so fucking rickety. Oh, my God. Oh he goes God. all the way to the top, and it looks like he's going to go for, you know, diving headbutt. But then both the other two men get up. I think what's supposed to happen, because this got super sloppy, is Jarrett pushes Dustin Rhodes into the ladder, and Benoit falls to the ground. It's pretty much what happens. Yeah. But Dustin doesn't push the ladder enough. So Benoit just kind of tumbles off yeah. and it looks so fucking He falls rough. hard. Or at least it looks like he falls hard. I really can't tell if he actually fell hard or if he's just selling well. Yeah. And that's the problem with Chris Benoit is because he's good at both of those things. Falling hard and selling it. Jared gets the pin and wins. And yeah, this was eh. This is actually a match. Like this is actually. It was. It could have been better. Just the ending scared the shit out of me. And that's all I can think of. Yeah, and and the imagery of the rope—they didn't know it was before. Okay, everything's fine. Everything's not fine, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it does make Dustin Rhodes look a little shit that he can't even interfere correctly. Dustin Rhodes is kind of shit. Oh, I didn't show you this, but um, on the Thunder after this, Dustin Rhodes has a match, and all of a sudden, the Seven music plays, and someone floats down to the ring in the <gasps> Seven garb. Who does it? It's Jeff Jarrett. He oh! I love that. Well, he floats most of the way, then the lights go out, and then if they're out for like like a full fucking minute. Because he's trying to get off the ring and run to the ring. And then they get back and the lights come back up and Jarrett's there with a guitar. And I'm like, wait, Jeff Jarrett wearing a long trench coat and a black hat holding a guitar. I've seen this. Wait. (laughs) I think I've seen this film before. Might be the only match that I could call a match on the card. Yeah. I guess you yeah, that's sad. We go backstage. David Flair is cuddling a headless teddy bear. Lex has no fucking clue what to do. I what would what would you do? I wouldn't know what to do in that situation. Lex is like, hey, so you know our tag match. You know we usually like to talk strategy beforehand. So like, you want to start? I can start. Anything. All right. Outside, a nice car arrives. I didn't mark what it was. Apparently, somebody said it was a Porsche. I don't know what that it actually was, was. It was a Roadster. I don't know what kind of um brand that is yeah i wouldn't have said porsche but maybe We're i don't know car cars people. i don't know cars we go to the room so piper and russo yell at each other piper has a baseball bat and is like threatening everybody he manages to fight off the parka but kurt hennig hits him with a chair and everybody kind of beats him down i do want to note the parka on thunder after this because he's a heel he comes out in his full guard but is now wearing sunglasses over the mask god i love that man he's a fucking national treasure we then go to or something match of the night. It's Tank Abbott versus Meng in a no-holds-barred match. Say that again? In a no-holds-barred match. So no-holds-barred means you cannot be DQ'd, correct? There are no holds that are barred. You cannot be counted out. You cannot be it disqualified. It just says that no-holds are barred. Tank Abbott comes out in some gym shorts. We haven't seen him in a while. I did not know. who. Th- if I didn't recognize the name, I would have had no idea who this guy was. They start off sloppy and stiff. Yep. Abbott takes down Meng to the floor and hits a few punches, and they're brawling up the ramp. Nick Patrick does not give a shit and just very casually counts them out. Yeah, what? Nick Patrick is some garbage. Like, he's not even looking at them. He's just like... Nick Patrick is bad at his job. I have not watched a match that he refed and be like, wow, he's doing a good job. No, he is always the one that's doing the screw finish, but he doesn't even do it for a story reason like Charles Robinson does. Well, he used to. But he doesn't anymore. He's not part of that anymore. He didn't have that much of a hold on the wrestling referee community 
the way that Charles Robinson did. Charles Robinson was so ingrained in the Ric Flair storyline. Nick Patrick was not. No, he, he, he used to be the NWO ref is what I'm saying. Oh, well. Before our time. Then that doesn't matter. It didn't exist. I don't know it. Who's that? The NW be, who? To be fair, he I is, should watch that documentary. Yeah. To be fair, he is the person who fucks up the Sting quick count at Starcade 97 that we've, we've talked about before. But again, that was before our time. Before our time. But yes. <laughs> My point being, even screwy finishes, he fucks up. Yeah. See, he's bad at his job. So yeah, Abbott and Meng brawl to the back. We see more of this throughout the night. Uh, Chris Canyon was the one who arrived in the fancy car. He's dressed like the Godfather. He has two ladies who join him as well as a well-dressed, very kind of skinny black man. Very fancy. He is somebody formerly from WWF. I needed to kind of confirm this in the meantime. The character's name in WWF was Clarence Mason. Okay. He's meant to be like a Johnny Cochran style lawyer. Oh, I like this gimmick better. I mean, this gimmick is kind of similar. It was just, he, he was the lawyer for the nation of domination at one point. Backstage, Piper is going to storm into the room, so, but, like, I thought he got arrested here, but police just kind of generally escort him away. And it was confusing, because he tried to, he grabbed a fire extinguisher and tried to, like, break open a door, and then the police come up to him, and he's trying, and Roddy Piper's trying to convince the police, like, no, no, there's a fire. And the police are like, there's not a fire, you don't need that extinguisher. He's like, are you sure, though? It was, it was a lot of jawing back and forth. I swear some of these are pre-taped with Piper because he has more mobility in his arm than other times. Yeah, you're, you might be right. Meng and Abbott are still fighting backstage. Then we get the revolution coming out to the ring. Shane heals on America and the crowd and just kind of in general. Somebody, somebody's pointed out that he uses the word stinking too much. Stinking. But it's like, I think that's just his substitute word because he's from ECW. So, so he, he wants can... to say fucking? Yeah. Why Why you go with stinking? <laughs> no, he found his word. We don't need your stinking jobs. Shane compares this Sunday at Starcade to Vietnam. Yes, he does. Doug is going to be does. ill-equipped and something. <laughs> Dean adds that, that America sucks and then Perry Saturn goes to grab the mic from him and there's this... Lame joke about, yeah, oh, we have heat. Yeah, I know what the boys were saying. No, we have Harlem heat. We're facing them. Emily laughed at it. I thought I it was thought fucking it was dumb. <laughs> I thought it was funny. So, yeah. So, it appears like it's going to be Harlem heat versus Perry and Dean. But immediately, the lights go out and Midnight's here. And it just seems to be a six-person tag instead. Which, sure, I guess. Because originally, she's like hitting punches on Dean in the ring. And I'm like, ref's fine with this. Okay. And then both of them get on the apron. I'm like, okay, I guess they're in the match. Booker and Stevie work over Dean. Booker goes over to like kind of clean house and opts to not hit Asia because he's still a face. (laughs) Dean weirdly drops Booker onto the ropes. Like, I don't know what he was going for. Yeah, it, it looked like a botch, but it didn't look enough like a botch for me to call it out in the moment. I mean, it's one of those where he was going for like a back suplex, yeah. but it was too close to the corner. And I don't know what he could have been setting up with Perry Saturn. But Perry Saturn tags, tags in and just, this I, match starts to go off the rails. I don't think Perry Saturn is sober for this match. He has a few random botches and his eyes just quite aren't there. But he's also got his gimmick of being an idiot. So is he playing off of the gimmick of just being dumb? Or is he actually, you know, under the influence? Booker hits a bookend and makes the hot tag in a lot of quotes to Stevie Ray. Hot. This is also why I think that something got fucked up with that spot. It, I mean, one, it's not uncommon for him to do this, but Stevie like immediately tags back out to Booker and then they yeah. reset up the hot tag. And then Stevie actually does the hot tag for real. 
I guess, but there were two different instances in this match where Stevie Ray tags in and does nothing. Yeah. Well, he does That's fuck also all. just Stevie in general. It's, I, I can't wrap my head around it. Like, poor Booker can't even take a minute to get a breath because he's got to run this whole match on his own. I did note in the meantime of him doing the first tag to the second, Saturn does a spot where he takes Asia out by accident. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, did Booker... Did Saturn fuck up or did somebody fuck up and they went to the hot tag spot too soon? So then they had to set it back up. Mm. I don't know. This match is a fucking mess. It's oh, awful. it's such a mess. It is such a mess. So we get another hot tag to Stevie. He cleans house. Midnight Midnight gets in the ring. Does a leapfrog. Comes down. And somehow injures her knee. I literally was like, watch. She's going to do a dropkick because she has one fucking move. She didn't even do that. She just did like the leapfrog jump. Is that what you called it? Yeah. And I guess she blows her knee out on the landing. Yeah, so Booker goes to check on her and misses Dean rolling up Stevie Ray. You thought this was a legitimate injury, but I'm like, it was so smooth with the finish of the match that I'm like, I think this was... Yeah, I got worked. Yeah, so Booker shaking at midnight. Stevie is mad that Booker didn't help break up the pin. This was fucking dreadful. It was really bad. There was a lot of elements to this that were bad. It It was the Perry Saturn of it all. It was the Stevie Ray of it all. Dean was a little off, too. Something was lost in translation with the planning of this match, and it never found its footing. Like the only person who was on their fucking game today, I mean, maybe Asia a little bit, but was Booker T. Well, shocker. Booker did everything they needed him to do. Booker T is the fucking hero that we never knew we needed. I don't even know what they're going to do at, uh, at Starcade, but it feels like this team is on borrowed time oh, at this yeah. point. Feels like they got them back together just to break them up again. Probably. Yeah, I, I do wonder if either of these men... After the breakup, we're going to end up teaming with a white guy. Because for some reason, that's just a weird Russo thing. Of... You're telling me Vincent Russo is racist? But wait, that's why the APA tied together. Because of Vince Russo? Yeah. Oh, they, I thought they just had good chemistry. Well, that they worked out where they did. Yeah, but they got like, lucky. Yeah, it was just like, what? Isn't this wild? <laughs> I, I think that if different you're trying... races being friends... <laughs> Dogs and cats living together. I think that if you are intentionally putting two people of different races together just because they are of two different races and you get your, your kicks out of it, it's racist. Well, it remains to be seen what, what's going to happen. I, I do know, um, I know G.I. Bro is somewhere in the oh, future, no. but I don't, I know nothing actually about that other than the fucking name. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's move on to Mike today interviewing Lex Luger and David Flair. David Flair immediately flips out and uh, Lex just kind of cuts a little promo. Says he's filed an injunction. According to Liz's contract, she can only manage him. We both took this to mean different things, um, but Liz can't manage Sting. The way I, I heard this was in their tag match later, Liz would come out with Lex not Sting. Sting is on his own, is what he said. Yeah, at the end of the day, what stops Liz from coming out with, with Lex and then just nothing. operating as a manager for Sting? Absolutely nothing. Roddy Piper is suddenly here with a chair. He calls someone out to a fight. We couldn't make out a word of he's this. Just yelling. What it actually is, he's challenging Kurt Hennig to a chairs match. Was that what that was? Yes. Oh, no. Which, this might be the first instance of a chairs match. I don't know of this being a, mm. ma- a match otherwise. Not to my memory, but that was a call out for a match. Granted, spoilers, I'm really upset that there was not a, a extra large chair as part of this chairs match. <laughs> Well, the big show wasn't here. I know. And Piper only had one arm. I think otherwise, maybe they would have broken it out. Elsewhere backstage, Rhonda Singh finds the lawyer from earlier, and she asks him to be her agent. He says no. 
Then Chavo sells her some dance attire. Yeah, I didn't totally follow what was happening here. And I also don't understand why Rhonda Singh needed a agent for singing, acting, and dancing. She's a fucking wrestler. She needs an agent because Vince Russo won't. I understand that bit of the whole story. However, when the guy she was asking to be her agent was saying, like, what do you got? She says, well, I can sing, I can dance, I can act. I'm like, you're a wrestler. I think they called him Mr. Biggs. Mr. Biggs, yeah. But, like, I just didn't understand, like, why she was looking for that kind of agent. And then Chavo coming around to swoop in, like, offering her clothing. Like, I didn't I didn't fully understand it. Like, what? But we're on to the next thing. Yeah, move on. Move forward. Uh, Mang and Tang Abbott are still fighting. It just never stops. I, I did right here. The show sucks. <laughs> it's a fucking awful episode. Of it's intro. great. I'm having a great time. Oh, my God. Uh, we got Paul Orndorff being here. You had no idea who this was because he's... No, but I have since learned. Yeah, he's very much before our time. Yes. Um, Unfortunately, I learned about who he was in the same video that spoiled Sid for me. Oh, God, that's... Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so we'll talk about this for a second. So, yeah, Paul Orndorff, uh, I think the last match he had in WCW... Is in 99. Wait, is it upcoming or is it... Uh-huh. Oh, I thought it already happened. He has some match, they say in late 99, so we've only got a few weeks if it hasn't already happened. Because I don't, I don't know if we've ever seen Paul Orndorff before. No, we have not on the podcast. Then so yeah, Paul Orndorff is going, I don't know if it's on Thunder or where, but he's going to have an off injury of some sort, which is yeah. going to cause him to retire. I thought he'd already had it. He had an injury that took him out of the ring for a while, but he comes back to the ring in WCW, and in late 99, he has an injury that forces him to fully retire and never come back to the ring. Yeah, I was looking at this. Yeah, it's it's two different like career ending. Oh, injuries. really? Yeah, I know there's one in late '99 though. Yeah, apparently yes. there is. Yeah, there, there's one in '95, which is like you yes. are like fully like done being a full time wrestler, but he's still training people at power plant. Yeah, yeah. And I think the one that's upcoming is like you're done. Please done, stop done. doing anything physical. Yeah, you know, I, I know him as the guy who you know made him into WrestleMania one, Mister Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> not not the guy from Shark Tank. No, obviously not. Well, Miss, Miss, Kevin O'Leary is Mr. Wonderful. I don't want Shark Tank. Um, God, he turned up on like a Hulk Hogan's birthday episode of Raw or something. Like he showed up for like that or like WrestleMania 30 or like mm. a cameo appearance or two. Dude has a rocking mustache now. Ooh. It's fucking great. Love that. Anyway, he's here. Powers to be want to see him. And then we get a rare occurrence. We get the Nitro Girls. Yeah, haven't seen the Nitro Girls dancing in the ring in a long time. We you know what else we haven't seen? Stacy yeah. dancing in the ring. Yeah, well, no, we saw her for the audition. As a Nitro Girl, I mean. Yeah, so it's Stacy and two of the other ones. <laughs> I guess the other, the other two heels. Rhonda Singh crashes the dance and upstages everybody. Of course it's for storyline. We can't just watch the by, girls dance. By the end, all three are just like jumping on her and trying to fight her, and she's still she's trying to so dance. she's so big. Shut up. I, I didn't hate this. It was, it was kind of hokey. Yeah. You just liked it because you like watching Stacey Keeler dance. No, I thought, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't about Stacey. It was just like, it was a bit of fun that like, it didn't immediately go off the rails. Like they were all still trying to like be yeah. the best. Yeah, no, and then right. it was just devolved into, no, fuck this. I'm jumping on What's it. What's happening? <laughs> I thought it was a little bit of fun. It was a little bit of fun. And so was our next segment. <laughs> I love this. There was less grunting during the Nitro Girl segment correct. than this next segment. It is a lot less grunting. Because we go into the woods and Finley is trying to train Brian Nobbs, making him do sit-ups in like the middle of a creek. <laughs> and with the with Finley's accent, it's Brian Nobbs' voice and just the general grunts just... It was just 
grunting with an Irish accent. <laughs> that was it. Oh, God. What a time. Yeah, I, I'm kind of assuming they're going to get involved in the Norman and Mang match at Starcade, but who knows? Who the fuck knows? They're still in the woods. They might not make it to Starcade. Again, I want a Blair Witch Project with <laughs> Brian Nobbs and Finley. <laughs> We then get Norman Smiley walking around and uh, accidentally stumbles into the block. Hate the block. Yeah, the frame rate thing is still a thing. So I think it's here to stay. I think that is a feature of the block. He yelps as he gets beat down. Oh my god. He he has a good scream, but it's a lot. He does it a little too much for my taste. Meng and Tank Abbott are still brawling around. We laughed at they cut the filter like a half frame too early. So you see regular Norman Smiley and then it cuts to... uh, Tank and Meng. Yeah, it was good. They end up brawling into the block. Norman goes to run, but hits Meng first. Meng chases him. Tank Abbott and Jerry Flynn are still fighting. And we don't really get a uh, resolution on that because they go to commercial. Nope. I hate the block. I really hate the block. Yeah. It's so nothing. It's a nothing way to use a nothing wrestler. That's kind of the thing. I'm like, I'm not against it per se, but you're not doing anything with it. We then go to the room cell. Paul Ordorff is fired for training midnight, and he made her too good, apparently, because she's Ugh, being a pain in the ass so to stupid. the powers of the be. Paul basically says, no, I'm not fired. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. No, fuck you. I'm so Russo fired. books him against creative control in a handicap match for later. We then see Goldberg watching the show, looking bored. Don't blame him. Nope, not at all. Mike Tanay interviews Sid, and a, um, he has a, he's a guest with him. I have no idea how old the person was, but it was a... Um, he was a special needs guest for the evening. I believe he had Down syndrome. Yes. Uh, his name was Seth. He gets a nice little moment during the interview and was like, okay, like they're handling this well. They, t- they handled it really tastefully. Yeah. They could have like infantilized that man. Yeah. But they really didn't. Sid's like, this is my coach. My coach. My coach Seth. I was actually wondering if it was because of him that the rest of his promo, he only does the the teeth gritted whisper. He Probably. Doesn't, he doesn't go into the screaming voice. Maybe. I was... Mm. Probably. I don't know. But um I was gonna say that like maybe he has like a sensitivity to sound, but he's in the arena later. So yeah, like and he's maybe not. his favorite wrestler, Sid Vicious. So. Yeah, so probably not. Yeah. So let's go to Sid's match. It is Doctor Death Steve Williams with Oklahoma, who does not have Bell's palsy anymore, versus Sid Vicious with Seth. And Seth actually appears on the graphic. He does, and that was so cute, and he got his like um you mean like his name, right? Yeah, on the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oklahoma says this is now a power bomb versus suplex match. Sure. Yeah, why did they feel the need to change that? I don't know. I did feel bad for, for Seth because as Sid is getting him seated, mm-hmm. Dr. Death comes over and like blindsides Sid. Sid's not a small man and Sid basically takes the bump onto Seth's shoulder. He doesn't like, put his full weight on him. No, but he puts the hand on him. I'm like, that's probably still a lot of weight. I don't want to have fucking Sid bump on me. I don't think that Sid put his full weight on no, him. No, but it was just like, oh God, I hope no, you're right. the kid didn't get hurt there. <laughs> Oklahoma is annoying on commentary. Dr. Death tries for a suplex on Sid, but then can't do it for some reason. He's just so big. But then he hits like a scoop slam on him. Like, I'm like, that's harder. <laughs> Oklahoma gives Dr. Death a boot to hit Sid with. Vampiro chases Oklahoma around the ring. Steve Williams clotheslines him. Sid powerbombs Steve Williams and immediately wins. Woo! Then in a weird moment of comeuppance, Sid chokeslams Oklahoma. I mean, good. It kind of kills what Vampire is going for. Like the whole thing is that Oklahoma is an annoying piece of shit. Yeah. Like you want him to get his comeuppance, and then Sid just does it. Yeah. No. Fuck you, Vampire. I will say that um I was pseudo. I don't want to say impressed, but like semi impressed with um Doctor Death in this. 
He was a significantly better wrestler in this match than he was in that god awful cage match. I mean, that's a low bar. Yes, but it's he's still clearing the bar. So yeah, Sid chokes slams Oklahoma. Hall and Nash come down. Nash power bombs Sid to end the segment to Goldberg chance. And I'm like, thought these two were buddies. Where the fuck's Goldberg? Fuck Goldberg, I guess. Yeah, they've been hugging a bunch, and I'm like, where you at, bud? Oh yeah, they have those like very loving hugs. Yeah. Weird. Back from commercial, we see backstage that Sid is getting checked out by EMTs. Just that power bomb really took a lot out of him. Ugh, yeah. But it was just another cute moment of like his coach being there for him while he's getting checked out. Yeah. It was just sweet. It was a sweet moment with a scary man. By the way, I'm saying now we're not allowed the layup of giving him MVP. Oh, no. He's not getting my MVP. I don't have one. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm realizing I have two best bits. I don't have a worst bit. I have, I have a lot of worst bits. I don't have a best bit. <laughs> See, this is the problem with episodes like this. I love this shit. And you're like, I want to die. We have Mike today interviewing the Outsiders as Nash just kind of dances. <laughs> and then they mock Goldberg by saying that Hart and Goldberg are next and then big, do a big tongue out. <laughs> then we go to the total package and David Flair versus Sting and Diamond Dallas Page Good in a tag Lord. team match. Or at least that's what it fucking says on paper. That's not what this match that is. That's not what this match is. Although in my favorite moment of the night, Lex Luger makes his entrance and can't find his fucking light. <gasps> oh my but God. one, it's not center of the ring. His light is wrong. His, but his light's wrong. But he is not adhering to yeah, the Yeah, he doesn't correct for it. <laughs> the light is like in the corner of the ring. So he goes to the center of the ring, kind of looks at the light and is like, the fuck, guys? Yeah. And it kind of like sort of backs up to get in the light. And he's like, nah, fuck that. I'm in the middle of the ring. And so he does his whole thing in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> like then, backlit. Like, oh, and David's here too. Like, you see him in the background. Oh my God. And he has a crowbar. Uh, and the teddy bear. Yeah. Apparently on Thunder... In, I don't even know what the match was, but DDP like helped Sting up and then hit a diamond cutter on him to win a match. And I'm like, well, I guess they were against each other, so that's not that crazy. I guess, yeah. I, I like kind of lost track of whether or not DDP is a face or heel based on his booking. You're telling me that the face heel dynamic is ambiguous for some people. I'm not saying actually, I'm not saying it's ambiguous. I'm saying they're doing a bad job. Oh my god! Because the alternative, it's either heel versus heel, or David Flair is meant to be a face. Oh, Dave, Dave Flair is not a face. Yeah, no. Zero percent chance that he is a face. So David's going to start the match, and Lex offers to like, take the bear, but leaves David with the crowbar, and we're like, why is that allowed? A commentary's like, oh, it's no DQ. And I'm like, oh. Okay. Yeah, they, they retcon that real quick. Almost immediately, Sting and DDP just start fighting with each other, like having their own match in the ring. Luger tags in and then just like throws the teddy bear to ringside. David Flair chases after it and vanishes for a little bit. Luger starts hitting Sting with a crowbar, so Liz runs out and takes the crowbar from him. So Lex just grabs a chair instead, and is like, I'll just use this, it's fine. Liz shields Sting with her body, and Lex is going to hit her anyway, but David Flair slinks back in the ring, hits Lex with the crowbar, and then Liz pulls Sting on top of Lex, so Sting wins. Woo! I kind of missed where DDP went during this. He's yeah, kind of vanished. same. This was a weirdly structured match, I didn't understand the point of it. There wasn't really much of a point to it. It just kind of, I think it was just there to heighten the disdain of the powers that be to, like, Lex Luger, I guess. They're not even really... I don't know. Because, like, I don't really understand why Lex Luger was paired up with David in the first place. There was a really incredible shot of David Flair behind Lex Luger while, like, Lex is in the ring and David's on ringside crawling into the ring with the crowbar looking crazy. It's an amazing shot. But other than that, I don't Yeah, really I know. mean, I don't know how much of it is in, in kayfabe, but in reality, it's one of those where, like... Okay, here's two singles matches that are going to be on pay-per-view, so let's just have one member from each match on Team Up Against the Other. 
I guess. It just Lex really got the short end of the stick there. Oh, no shit. But I, I'm, I'm glad they didn't pretend he didn't because the whole time he was like, this fucking sucks. And it was kind of funny. It was funny to watch them like figure that, that out. We then go backstage. Meng is on the hunt for Norman Smiley. We then get Gene interviewing Chris Champagne Canyon. Rhonda Singh comes into the interview to talk to the agent, but he has security escort her away. Bam Bam Bigelow then enters the scene and is excited to see his buddy, but Canyon's agent stops him and then Canyon just attacks Bam Bam. Boo! Bam Bam was like, hey, buddy. We were like, friends. I'm like, where you been? Like, you look great. I missed you. And then he's just like, fuck you. I'm like, oh. Where's the triad? I missed the triad. <laughs> then we get Bam Bam Bigelow come out at the ring. He calls out Canyon and is like, people from Jersey don't fucking sell out. What is this? True. Is it true? You're from Jersey. I haven't sold out. Listen, we only accidentally sold out when we had um, when we had accidental ads in the podcast because of for our like website. plumbers. <laughs> well, I think it was for plumbers because we talked a lot weird. about sewage in those episodes. Oh, do you think? I really do. I think they, they found a keyword. It's like, okay, but I don't know what podcasts are about sewage. So Canyon and his ladies come out, and God, one of the girls really struggles on the ramp. She like almost trips like four times. Mister Biggs grabs the mic, and Bam Bam's like, "No, nah, I just want to fight," and then. Bam Bam starts aggressive and works over Canyon for the first 98% of this match. Right. Canyon manages to hit a swinging neckbreaker towards the middle, but then Bam Bam hits an electric chair drop and a Samoan drop and just, like, keeps staying on offense. And I'm like, you're debuting a new character for Canyon. Like, let him do something. <laughs> Bigelow hits a world's strongest slam and then a diving headbutt directly to Canyon's groin. Like, oh, okay, you aimed for it. You got it. It's not a DQ for some reason. Canyon hits a flatliner after a distraction, which is now called That's a Wrap, and gets the win. So they did rename it. I think they, I meant, they mentioned on commentary that he yeah, was renaming it. Yeah, they mentioned it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was... They had good intentions with this match, but why did Canyon do nothing? I don't really think that Canyon believes in this new gimmick that he has. I don't think that it's going to stick, and I don't think it's going to work. I did like Bam Bam here, where he's like, excited to see his friend, and then he's pissed off that his friend, you know, rejects him. Good. Yeah, I, I feel really bad for Bam Bam in this. Like, I loved the Jersey Triad. The Jersey Boys. Who doesn't love the Jersey Boys? Oh, what a night. Late December, back in 63. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. Um, I don't think it's going to go far. Yeah, this doesn't seem to have much of a shelf life. Let's go backstage. Norman Smiley is hiding from Meng. And then uh, the goons are here. I like forgot the about them because it was we I were so far into the episode. I'm like, what? I mean, that in, in that regard, yes, you're correct. They have plans to murder Disco. They're like, we're gonna get him in a body bag and then throw him in the fucking ocean. Throw him in the river. Throwing him in the Mississippi. Piper still wants his chair match with Hennig, and he actually knows that he's a torn bicep here. And I'm like, oh god. Disco Inferno and Lash LaRue then come out. There's a lot of moments where I'm like, is there going to be a match or is it just them coming out? This is where I heard of like, oh yeah, they're in Lash's quote unquote hometown because he doesn't get like a great reaction. And then he cuts his bad accent promo. He says they're going to do a Mardi Gras. I'm like, it's December. Yeah, that's the thing. He came out in Mardi Gras beads and they even like commentary even noted like he's coming out with his Mardi Gras beads and he's doing his whole New Orleans thing. It's December. Mardi Gras happens in February. You're so far off. You're so wrong. And he even does the whole, let's say that bon ton roulette, but he doesn't say it right. He messes it up. And then he's like, nobody in the crowd is cheering for him like they're a hometown hero. Like, no one gives a shit about Lash LaRue. And he's supposed to be the New Orleans guy. Yeah. As everyone was coming out, I had no idea who was actually in this match. 
But yeah. it ends up being Lash LaRue versus Big Vito in a body bag match. Vito works over Lash and, and hits a karate-like kick, which was weird for the gimmick. It did seem like Vito was summoning his karate kid power because he does like that whole arm movement later on too where he's like summoning the power of Kamehameha. And I know that's not karate. Whatever. It's Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I don't know what he's going for there. I don't know. Speaking of karate, where's the cat? I don't know. <laughs> Vito bites Lash's face. Like, ah. Then misses a second row frog splash. Lash starts a comeback and hits a shake, rattle, and roll. Vito begs off, but Lash hits a sidewalk slam, which was a weird move for him to do, and then a suplex. Lash hits a second rope elbow drop, and um, in a bit of a heel move, Disco Inferno goes over to Johnny the Bull, hits him with a chair. Johnny the Bull was, like, notably doing nothing in this match. Yeah. Was just standing in the bottom left of the screen, just like, I think he's a bit clueless. Yes. Like, Vito, you know, knows what's going on Vito generally, tries. but yeah, Johnny the Bull, what the fuck? He is a little lost. He's a lost little bull. Lash hits his finisher whiplash, but Vito kicks out at one because that's not how you win the match. <laughs> Do it how I want it to be done. Lash then puts Vito in the body bag for about eight years. <laughs> oh my god, it's so slow. He like, can't get the zipper. I almost think like the bag is ripped at one point, like... To the point where Johnny the Bull gets up, sneaks up behind Disco, starts attacking Disco, and then has to move in slow motion to start attacking Lash. Slow ass Because motion. he has to wait for Lash to actually win the match. Yeah. It's weird. Like, he was so in frame that it was like he was waiting to interfere to, to stop Lash from winning. Yeah. And when he didn't, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, because clearly he needs to be up for the post-match segment. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. He, like, got up too early because... I mean, in reality, he should have had plenty of time. And yes, should have. So Lash wins the body bag match, but then Johnny's attacking him. Vito gets out. They like awkwardly beat down Lash and carry him backstage. The match itself was kind of shit. The post match was really shit. Yeah. Post commercial, they bring Lash outside, but forget where they parked the cars. They put him down, and he managed to sneak out of the body bag. By the way, while they're carrying the body bag backstage, you can see Lash's full head. Yes. You can see his hair sticking out and everything. It doesn't help that he has bright red hair. So yeah. like you can't even like, hide obvious. it a little bit. Ugh. So, yeah, I, I'm assuming this is going to be a tag team match. No ter- no Tony Marinara here. No Tony Marinara. A lot of this seems like it's on life support. Like, I think really. I really like the goons. I think that Tony Marinara is done. And I think that they're just going to turn the goons into their own tag team. I think they're going to stop this whole feud with, um, what's his face? Disco. Disco. I, I still don't know why Lash is involved in this feud. I don't know why Lash is here either. I think that they have more momentum with the goons than they ever had with Lash LaRue. Yeah. And this is somebody who we're like, oh, hey, he had a competitive match with Scott Hall a few weeks ago. Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Let's go to our handicap match tonight. It is Paul Orndorff versus Creative Control. <laughs> Orndorff manages to hold his own through most of this match. Wait, it's wait, a... wait. We are not going to skip over the entrances. and <laughs> You're no. not going to let me go on my twin rant? Go ahead. These two men are not identical twins. I tweeted this picture. I even paused the show while we were watching it, and I did a facial analysis in front of Nick, and you agreed they are not identical. No, I pointed out to you, and you agreed that they are not identical in that shot. 
They're you also, agree? Their heads are facing different angles. No, they're here. not. They're facing one, front. One is looking down. One is facing. No, they front. are not. Yes, they are. Look at the picture that I tweeted. I'm aware of the picture. One, they are not facing the exact same direction. They are facing. I also forward. think one is like ten or fifteen pounds heavier than the other. So they that got, doesn't they got a little affect more than that. their shape of their head, and they have a different little thing under their nose. They are not identical twins. Emily, they are. They're not. They are. I'm sorry. I was maybe you don't like the term identical twin, but that's what they are. They're not identical. You mm. couldn't pull twin magic with these two. They do constantly. No, they do not. We're moving on. Orndorff manages to hold us out through most of this match. It's a couple dancing elbow drops, which you did not like. No, I. I mean, it's it, so it's 80s. Ve- yeah, it's very 80s. It's it, it's very much. I was in WrestleMania one, like. Really, not much to note here. Pretty no. simple action, but like you know, when you're the guy who's like doing the like one of the head trainers, it's like yeah, just like you know, Gordon Ramsay, simple done well. <laughs> Good way to put that. Orndorff chokes one of Creative Control with a rope until the other one comes in, and breaks it up. Everybody starts to brawl, and then fucking here I come to save the day. Art my Anderson boy. and Larry Zbysko come my out, my fucking boys. boys. I can be your hero, baby. They beat down Creative Control and. Like, I kind of lost track of how distracted the ref actually oh, was. Because yeah. there's a moment where it's like, oh, the ref's distracted. And I'm like, he has a clear line of sight to what's <laughs> happening, but sure. Orndorff hits a pile driver and gets the pin. A new ref, I think it was Slick Johnson. I have no idea. I don't know the refs. I think it was the ref who, like, Scott Steiner was with for a little while, comes down and is like, no, creative control win by DQ. Maybe. But, yeah, Arn and, Arn and Larry making the save. Got a big pop. Got a big pop out of me, and I'm just like, old men sticking together. We are the old farts. I mean, I think what it's meant to kind of represent is like the old guard of WCW. Yeah. yeah. It's, the, it's the older generation trying to uphold the honor of wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. You new kids aren't going to come in and fuck it up. Yeah, and all three of these men are not fired. Yeah, well. I don't really see anything with this happening on pay-per-view, but uh, at least it's No, Starcade, but it's so. always nice to see Arn Anderson. Oh, yeah. I love that man. Oh, we're almost there. Backstage, Johnny the Bull and Vito open the body bag to find not Lash Theroux, but Norman Smiley. He crawled into the bag to hide from Meng. It's like, fair. <laughs> I didn't like that, but I was like, he almost got thrown into fucking river. He would have committed to the bit. Also, why would you unzip it? Yeah, I don't know. Like, confirm that Lash is still there? I guess if you are going to murder somebody, make sure it's the right murder. I guess. Let's go to our second and last match of the night, if you even want to call it that. This is so stupid. It is Kurt Hennig versus Roddy Piper in a chairs match. Tony confirms on commentary that Piper has a torn bicep. Mm-hmm. Hennig works Piper over with a chair. Piper gets on offense. He knocks Hennig to the outside. Hennig leaves, flips Piper off, and loses That's by count it. out. That's it. Another no DQ match that they just do by count out. They do by count out. That's... You're, you're missing the point of a no DQ match. I remember turning to you and going, okay, if Piper's arm is fucked, there, cl- there needs to be a clear reason why they're doing it. There's yes. got to be some storyline. No. No. This Kurt Henning's a bitch. Yeah. That's it. <sighs> Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. Does, he have a, does Henning have a match on pay-per-view? Not that I know of. No. He might. There are 12 matches. On Starcade, I'm sure. Oh yeah, they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he has a match as one of those twelve. I don't. I don't even want the game of trying to guess what all twelve of them are. No, I don't want to play. That's not a game I want to win. Let's go backstage one last time for Emily's oh favorite segment of the night. <laughs> I'll let you. T- I'll let you tell it. So they go backstage, and I don't remember who it was. But was Mike it today? 
And Mike Tanay ushers the cameraman into Bret Hart's locker room. Hurry, hurry, come in here. You got to help him. He's down. Bret Hart has been attacked, but he's laying on the couch in a way that can only be described as a cartoon. He's just like splayed on the couch. He no, looks cozy as fuck. He does look cozy. It's a way that like I would fall asleep on the couch. He's not in any distress. He's not groaning. He's barely even passed out. There's no sign of a of a brawl in the room. He's just yeah. laying on the couch. Oh, he's out. He's been attacked. And then Nick pointed out that while the cameraman was running into the room, you saw a very large tattooed bicep hiding in the corner. And while we're all looking at Bret Hart on the couch, oh my god, this poor man, he's 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 so injured. Goldberg runs into the room as if he just he just got here to help out his buddy. He What if it was Goldberg? Could have been dissension. But just the way that he was, he might as well have been like fanning himself with like a Victorian hand. <laughs> yeah. Fan. Like, oh my stars, I've been so injured. And the fact that he was like still in like street clothes didn't He's help. Fine. I don't know. I feel like if he had been in his gear, it might have sold it better. But it would just look like he was just taking a nap. He, he was basically just taking a nap. He just put his leg up on the back of the couch and then he's like, oh, I'm hurt. Oh my God. Yeah. So then we go to commercial and we come back. It's time for our main event. It is the Outsiders versus the tag team champions, Goldberg and Bret Hart. And Emily, I need to surprise you with a who's that Pokemon for the tag team champions. Who's that Pokemon? Oh, this is going to be some stupid Pokemon joke. Emily, bigger Pokemon, Heart Gold. I literally thought of that as the match was happening, You're and I went, idiot. I went, do I say it earlier in the night? No, I'll wait till the main event. You're an idiot. So the outsiders come out of the ring, Nash is in Mike. He's like, looks like Brett won't make it out there tonight. He tells Goldberg just to come give them the title since they did him a favor, and it's like, mm. at least took out your opponent for Sunday, so. On paper, that sounds like, yeah, you're right, you did yeah. me a favor, but they're buddies. In 99. Yeah, and Goldberg's backstage, and Brett's still, like, you know, quote-unquote dying. Goldberg's like, come on, come out to the ring. I'll do it myself. So Goldberg comes out. The Outsiders want the titles, but instead Goldberg clotheslines them and the match is on. Power slam to Hall, sidekick to Nash, and then Hall just like dives to the outside to get clear. Like very much just like, nope. (laughs) I'm out. He noped out of the match. Goldberg overpowers Hall, including a pump pump handle slam, but uh, he did not do the road dog thrusting, so minus points. Wow. Nash tags in. Goldberg knocks him down with a shoulder tackle and then scoop slams him. Hall distracts Goldberg so Nash can hit a big boot. The two start working over Goldberg in the corner. Then we get Bret Hart coming down to the ring and f- starts fighting with both men. Want to note here that Hart never gets on the apron nor tags into this match. We get a Russian leg sweep to Nash, sharpshooter, but Hall breaks it up. Everyone gets in the ring. It's a big old mess. Big old brawl. There's a weird moment where Goldberg is setting up for his spear and eventually hits it on Scott Hall. But in the background... Bret Hart and Kevin Nash are just kind of generally wrestling for a belt. They're just, like, kind of grabbing it, like, no, mine. Mine, no, give me. <laughs> like, like, think Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns leading into WrestleMania 31. <laughs> they do a little tug-of-war, and that's, like, the go-home segment. It's like, that's really pathetic. Yeah, it was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. God. So Goldberg hits the spear eventually, and then Nash does something to take out Hart's leg and pins him while having his feet on the ropes in the background, as Goldberg is hitting the jackhammer. Yeah. Again, Hart was never the legal man. I'm not even sure Kevin Nash was either. No, I'm pretty sure it's Goldberg and Hall. I think they are the, the two that should be the legal fight. But the ref counts the pin and we have new tag team champions, the Outsiders. Which sure. It's such a big moment. We literally never see them hold the titles. Nope. 
we stay on Hart and Goldberg, and that's the show. Woo! What a shitty ending to a shitty show. I want to read my note verbatim for uh, me summarizing the show. What a fucking mess of everything. I call, I said, what a mess of a show. That was my hey. last note. Aww. This was awful. I, I, don't I had know, a good time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you have multiple best bits. This m- might be the, like, the worst episode of Nitro that we've watched. I had a great time. I don't know why you're so miserable. Maybe... maybe I'll rephrase. This might be the most nonsensical episode of Nitro yes. we've ever watched. Ugh. I don't even have a worst bit. I'm having so much fun over here. I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll borrow yours. Oh, God. Uh, any thoughts on the show before or the main event before we go into this? So before we watched the show, Nick leaned over to me and said, will this be a mess of a show or a load-bearing show going into Starcade?" And I was like, you know the answer to that question. Yeah, it definitely wasn't load bearing. They have <laughs> Nick. Why would it be load bearing? Well, it's they have those... never had a load bearing go home show to a pay per view in the seventy episodes that we have watched. There has never been a load bearing go home. When will you learn? If anything, we, we, we had the opposite of a load bearing uh, go home show for Halloween Havoc, where Vince started a bunch of different storylines. He doesn't do go home. <laughs> Maybe he should go home. He doesn't go home. He just teleports. There's no journey to get there. Oh, God. Well, Emily, let's... Um, <laughs> God, let's go into best bit. I worst love bit, that you are so miserable. MVP. I'm having a great time. Emily, what the fuck is your best bit? <laughs> My main best bit. For the greatest opening of a Nitro episode I have ever seen. I gave it to the opening entrances of the maestro and the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. It set the tone. I'll give it It that. It set an incredible tone and I loved it. My runner's up. The face that David Flair pulled with the crowbar behind Lex Luger. And Brett's injury. Those are my best bits. The bits that made me cackle. You know what? I'll I'll upgrade one of yours. I will give the Bret Hart injury (laughs) angle. That made me... (laughs) Cackle! I was especially because Mike today is time. like, I come here. He's so injured. Help him now, <laughs> Emily. Do you have a worst bit? I do not. I do not have a worst bit. These were all golden. Everything about this show was golden. I'm gonna give my worst bit to uh, Tank Abbott versus Meng for basically ending in a countout in a no holds barred match for a I'm, match that just wouldn't stop going. Yeah, I, listen. I'm aware Kurt Hennig and Roddy Piper did it later. Piper was hurt. I mean, they were probably already the finish, but I'll, I can excuse it. But just a match with no story, just suddenly being like, nope, count out. Right. Guess what? It didn't need to be no holds barred for that. It, no. Yeah. I find it interesting that this is your worst bit. I. There are so many bad bits, and you chose those. There was nothing about Mang versus Tank Abbott that I needed. No. Or that will matter. No. Uh, Emily, who's your MVP? I gave it to Booker for holding his own in that match. Yeah, you know what? When we talked about it, I went, fuck yeah. it. It's going to be Booker. He's the only one that was actually trying to wrestle tonight. Runner up to Laparka for existing. God, fuck yeah. Laparka <laughs> should just be our default MVP. <laughs> Consider him always to have an honorable mention. If he had worn the sunglasses on this oh, Nitro, yeah. MVP. MVP. But MVP. he was on Thunder, so it doesn't count. What a man. What a man. God, I love him. God, and that's um, <laughs> that's it for this Nitro. I just love when Nick ends the show so miserable. Don't even follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Don't listen to the back catalog. And if they didn't want to listen to that back catalog, where wouldn't they hear it? (laughs) 
if you if you want to avoid our back catalog, avoid Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, oh Samsung Podcasts, you're yes. about now, and uh, you should steer clear of at Butts in the Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and Butts in the Seat Podcast on Facebook. Correct. You ready for Starcade? <laughs> I don't even know any matches that are happening at Starcade. Oh, the sad thing is, I know things that are going to break you at Starcade, oh, and you no. don't know. I can't wait. It's going to be so Get fucking ready. It's going to be so much fun. I don't know much about Starcade. I know it's going to be fucking wild, oh. and I know a thing or two that's going to upset you. Am I going to scream? Probably. But Good. You scream a lot. I do scream a lot. <sighs> any closing thoughts on this? It had been so long. I really was like, I'm looking forward to, you know, doing the next episode. Then Vince Russo gives me this shit. What else do you expect? I don't know. God, I'm looking forward to Sold Out because he's gone for a little. Stop looking forward to things. No, because he's gone for a little bit. We've learned anything about this fucking company. Don't look to the future. Don't look forward to things. You will only be broken. Isn't that why the company died? Because they didn't look towards the future. That's a problem that, like, creative had. As a viewer, we should not look forward to things. Until Starcade and all that entails, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for bearing with us in this episode of the Butts in the Seeds Podcast. I had a great time. <laughs> Say bye. Bye. <laughs>